How did she do it? Hey, everybody, welcome to a new podcast exclusive of The Libio Show. Today, I'm sharing a conversation featuring one of my dear friends, Hannah Holbrook. She is a fantastic pianist and composer, and I am just so excited for you to get to know her a bit more today. Hannah is the eldest sister of the art pop band Shell. They've performed with bands like Judah and the Lion, Jars of Clay, and several others. Their new EP titled Wild Child features a single Rainbow, which was inspired by Beyond Karma, a documentary that chronicles the stories of some of the most vulnerable women in the world and the myriad of ways they persevere with resilience, resourcefulness, and hope. We talk more about the message of this song and how you as a listener can donate and support this project. Outside of making music with her sisters, Hannah also has a few solo releases out now, including the ballad, You Should Let Me Love You, which she performs in this episode for us. Hannah's music has been featured on NPR's Echoes, Colorado Public Radio Show, Open Air, ABC Family, and MTV. Most recently, Hannah and fellow composer-producer Kevin Daly created an original score for Travis Rice's film, Depth Perception. The duo also joined Shell to compose for Facebook Watch's show, Queen America, featuring Catherine Zeta-Jones. Visit shellmusic.com and follow Hannah on the Keys on socials to stay up to date on upcoming live streams, new music, and more. Now to our episode featuring Hannah Holbrook. Welcome to the Libio Show. We're in a brand new episode today, and um, I'm sitting with a really good friend of mine, Hannah Holbrook. She's part of the art pop band Shell, and she just released a solo release called You Should Let Me Love You. That's right. And it's beautiful, and we're going to talk about it. Um, but first, welcome to her studio bedroom. We're like in her element right now, and I'm so excited <laughs> about it. Yes, this is where yeah. I'm sitting right, and um, yeah, and just chill. Yeah. It's a pretty peaceful place. Okay, so you should let me love you. Talk about it, who wrote it, and what inspired you to release this song. Oh my gosh. Okay, um, so it was uh, near the end of 2017, I believe, and my sisters and I were on tour with one of our favorite artists, and uh, we had hopped on his tour to do a string of shows on this West Coast portion of it. Mm -hmm. And... Um, during the tour, uh, several of his fans and our fans would come up to me after the show and be like, so are you guys going to date? And they were just like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> just like, hey, we're going to get in your business a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I was, yeah. And I was like, I mean, he's cute. Um, and they're like, you guys would make a great couple. And I'm like, you're not wrong. Um, <laughs> so I kind of started entertaining the idea. Um, but he didn't give me any reason to believe that he felt the same way. So I was trying to like cautiously, you know, like we're on your tour, but what's the deal? You know, like yeah. just kind of trying to suss it out. And one night um, I had had a gin and tonic and... Classic, <laughs> yes. This was also the night I lit my hair on fire in front of him. Stop and, uh... it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wait, okay. Finish the story and then I want to... How did that happen? Okay, okay. I leaned back in a chair. We were in this like bar in uh -huh. LA um and I lay back in my chair I'm laughing haha <laughs> so funny and then um <laughs> this is a classic like rom-com moment 
It's so good. It's so embarrassing. It was in front of him and one of his best friends. And I think he was trying to set me up with his best friend in mm -hmm. hindsight. But yeah, was not hip to that at the moment. But um, I sit back up and everyone's like, your hair is on fire. And I'm just like, oh my and God. I, <laughs> luckily, I hadn't been wearing any hairspray or anything. So it just like just like singed a little bit of my hair, made everything smell like burnt feathers, and everyone was just like horrified. There were candles in the wall, like decorative. Okay, first of all, <laughs> what they they should have thought about what if someone's, you know, haven't had a drink or two and is having a great time. Yeah. And sitting near the wall, like, yeah. Right? Um, I wrote a song about that. It's called I Lit My Hair on Fire. <laughs> And uh, it's a love song, you know, very romantic. You know, um, <laughs> that's actually believable. I did though. So. Okay. Wait, can you play a little bit of it? Oh gosh, do you remember it? It's like I I did it with a producer out of LA named Kennedy, and it's like it's tracks and like you know it's got keyboard stuff in it, but it's not like a it's not your little like song piano like la 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 la. It's like kind of <laughs> I'll it's just send everywhere, it to you. literally like what happened. Yeah. I'll send Frantic. it to you. Please um, do. Yes. So that that's that its own little thing that happened. Uh-huh. The same night after the hair fire incident, um, <laughs> uh, my friend, <clears throat> he and I were walking, and I just kind of, like, pulled him aside, and I was like, hey, so, um, you know, like, do you think of me as, like, a friend or a little sister or... Like, how do you think of me? <laughs> oh, my like, gosh. <laughs> Classic. He was like, Hana, what are you asking me? And I was like, uh, you know, I just, uh, I, I kind of have a little crush on you. And so I was just wondering if, uh, yeah, yeah, like, what do you think about that? <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I mean, props to you, honestly. <laughs> it was the gin and tonic. No, I'm just kidding. Hey, you know. I do like to keep it clear. Confidence. I love the confidence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Confidence. <laughs> But I do like to keep it clear. I'm like, what's the deal here? Um, but basically he said, Hana, you don't want to date me. And that was kind of the end of it. I was like, oh, okay. And then he said, we're, we're friends. And I was like, all right, got it. Cool, Great, see you, thanks. bye. Goodbye forever. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> cool, I'm going to just turn around and go get another gin and tonic. <laughs> But it ended yeah. up, it was, it was a really good thing because, um, there weren't any like serious feelings. Yeah. There wasn't, he wasn't stringing me along. Like there was none of that. It was just a question. Someone like, like I was just entertaining it and someone had kind of like planted this idea and then I was like, oh, okay. And so then, um, the rest of the tour, I was able to like put him in the friend box and kind of put pause on my emotions. And I think subconsciously I was processing everything that I noticed about him because he'd be singing and I'd sit in the audience and feel like he was singing just to me and then I'd look around and everyone seemed to feel the same way and I was like all right yeah. this is just a gift he has and it's not mine you know like I don't get to take mm -hmm. that or receive it like he's like that's just how that's just who he is and that's just what he does and it's beautiful to recognize that but I don't need to own it in some way so then after the tour, I went home and just sat down at the piano and um, You Should Let Me Love You just came out like chords, lyrics, mm -hmm. melodies, all of it, just like a download. So I think maybe my subconscious was processing like, but I really like, I see you and, yeah. and I love what I see kind of thing. Well, congrats. It reached 4,000 streams and I learned this literally 10 minutes ago. Yeah. Just so congrats. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. Yes. Yeah.
Yeah, it's my first um, real solo release, like as a solo artist. Yeah. And so I didn't have, I don't have anyone behind it, like pushing it or anything. I just released it through DistroKid and um, Spotify put it on some kind of discovery playlist and that's why it's that's getting so more cool. spins, but. I love it. Yeah, it's sweet. How often do you release solo music? So the last time I put something out, it was just instrumental, like solo piano. Mm -hmm. um, and that, I think I put that out in, actually, I released it the first time in 2016, I think, and then re-released it last year. I was yeah. like, I need to start putting out more music. And that was kind of something I felt like God was impressing on me. Like, I gave you this gift not to just like hide it. Like you're supposed to use it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I'm so glad you put it out there because it's stunning and it shows that, okay, you have this instrumental side that's been featured on NPR and on Facebook Watch and all these other places, but you also have a beautiful voice and being able to mesh the two, the, the two together is so cool to Thanks. watch. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Can, do you mind playing a little bit of it for us? Yeah. 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 <clears throat> you should let me. Love you Underneath that golden moon Won't you let me hold you Oh my darling honeydew You're everything at once Sweet and dangerous, curious, mysterious, and serious enough. You should let me love you, cause darling, I already do. <laughs> oh, that's so, that's so calming, guys. Just, like, put it in the background when you're making breakfast. Put it in the background when you're having a romantic dinner. That's, that's awesome. Thank you. I love it. <laughs> Who taught you how to play the piano? Okay, so I've had several teachers for piano, but yeah. I started with Mark Sloaniker. Mm -hmm. um, he lives in Fort Collins, Colorado, where I grew up, and he plays jazz around town. I think he probably studied at Berkeley School of Music in Boston. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that he did but um he's a brilliant composer jazz pianist performer and just one of the sweetest humans of all time mm -hmm. and so he started me off with jazz and improvising and composing which is unusual um yeah and i studied classical piano in high school with pat burge but she also had an emphasis in improvisation and composition and she helped me get ready to study at colorado state with janet landreth and she was like classical and so um, there's been like this mixture of things. And I, I think a lot of <clears throat> serious pianists start off with the classical technique. Yeah. Um, but I had like kind of the opposite of that. And like sight reading was not my strength. I like look at sheet music and I have to like study. It's like this foreign it, yeah. language. A hundred percent. Yeah. But um, if I hear a rhythm, I'm usually like, okay, I got this rhythm. Yeah, you're going to. Yeah. But Just then key like, it out. Yeah trying to read it I'm like oh I have to like <laughs> or someone's like what note is that it's like I I mean 
I kind of know, but it's not important because we've got the song, you know? Yes. Yeah. Um, do you remember the first time that you played the piano? Did you start playing just on your own for fun? And then, or was it something that like you were interested in and then you started taking classes for it? Um, yeah. So this is maybe a trait of being an Enneagram 5. I, I'm pretty, we were just, just talking about yes. this, but I think I'm a 5 wing 4. But um, feeling this need to like study it and know what I'm doing before even trying it. Yeah. <laughs> it's so frustrating. And I'm around like sevens who are just like, I'm going to do this now. Boom. And they just jump in. And yeah. I'm trying to learn that and trying to be able to be more like adventurous and take more risks without mm -hmm. having to have it all figured out first. But for piano, like I heard piano music somewhere when I was five. And it just like, I was like, oh, that's what I'm going to do. And we didn't even have a piano yet. I just knew like, I'm going to be a pianist. And then um, when I was 10, actually, my grandma offered to pay for piano lessons. And I was like, yes, this is my moment. That's like, so cool. Um, so yeah, I didn't really, like, I would maybe, like, goof around on it, but didn't know what I was doing until I started taking lessons. And then even with the lessons, you have, like, your basic, like, Alfred books, you know, that a lot yeah. of a lot of young students start off with and I was like this is great that's what so I took lessons growing up and that was something that like I haven't played in forever but um like I played happy birthday for my parents and they were like oh my gosh you should do lessons and so started oh. doing lessons and that yeah I were total. this is like bringing me back to like learning holiday songs during the holidays and then like you would have like your summer recitals and yeah yes well, I remember um, I'm like learning those things and I was like, man, these books are boring. Like I really yeah. wasn't interested, even though like I get it now. I teach lessons now um, and so I get it. I'm like so thankful for these books because they have all the fundamentals mm -hmm. and usually in a fun way that you can explore it. But like if you have a kid who's a composer, they're going to want to go beyond just like reading something on a page and just like learning technique. Like they need to be applying what they're learning. Yeah. They need to be composing. And so it wasn't until I started learning jazz, and I remember like learning my first jazz piece. It was um, a piece by Thelonious Monk, um, and I came home and I was playing it, and my mom heard it, and she was like, "What? You play jazz now?" And she like, <laughs> <laughs> "What? What has happened?" <laughs> yeah, because she raised this is me. New Hana. Yeah, like I grew up listening to like my dad was all about the Beatles and. Um, Led Zeppelin and all that and my mom was like about Rachmaninoff and Chopin yeah. and George Gershwin and Pat Metheny and so there was like this jazz influence coming from her and Vince Guaraldi and so then when I started to play something that was kind of in the vein of something I was familiar with yeah I was like oh my gosh I love this and then I started practicing because like mm -hmm. not just like doing the whatever but actually being like whoa I love this I think I can improve upon it and improvising with it and yeah. jazz was the thing that like Got you. Reminded me, like, yes, this is what I'm going to do with this piano. <laughs> Question. Yes. This is my child, my my kid coming out. Um, can you play the Charlie Brown theme song? Oh, gosh. Yes. <laughs> I just needed to hear it. I'm like, I don't know the rest of it. <laughs> it's like the really, like, yeah. I feel like you could totally vibe with that. Libs is having like inner inner like little libs is loving this 100 percent um so who are some of your favorite piano players out there right now that are you know very inspiring to you 
Yes. Um, okay, so one of the first concerts I saw was Pat Metheny and Lyle uh -huh. Mays, and they were playing in Denver. I think it was the Paramount Theater. I can't remember. But I was like 10 years old. My mom took me for my birthday. Uh -huh. And I was just like, oh my gosh, Lyle had this like grand piano and all these synthesizers. And I was like, he's got his own like keyboard kingdom right there. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> yes. I was like, I want that. And Lyle passed away recently, like oh. um, with maybe this month, like with, within the past couple weeks. So, so sad. Um, but he definitely inspired me and had some influence. Um, and Scaraldi, like I mentioned. Yeah. yeah I love his playing. Um, I love Red Garland. He played a lot with Miles Davis. Mm -hmm. um, and let's see. I mean, I'm definitely influenced by more classical and romantic composers like Rachmaninoff and George Gershwin. Um, I feel like he's <clears throat> kind of a beautiful mix of everything. Yeah. It's like he's got the jazz. I think he was probably influenced by Ravel. So there's like kind of this beautiful, like romantic and experimental uh, classical thing in his jazz. And then pop, he was like pop of the time. And so he's got like the songwriting and the partnership with his brother Ira that I always have admired yeah. because I play music with my sisters. Um, so yeah, and George Gershwin, like he taught himself how to orchestrate. So Rhapsody in Blue, he had someone else orchestrate that. And then he went to the library and got books and orchestrated his own concerto. And like those kinds of like, those kinds of people who just like learn how to do it for themselves always inspire me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's a big hero of mine. I'm a fan. <laughs> is that kind of a concept that you've taken into your artistry is doing it for yourself and just figuring out and being able to experiment? Yeah, I think so. Like I wish, I think, there's something in me that wishes I could deep dive in every single thing, but it's like the reality is I could spend all my time just sitting at a piano improving my technique. Like I could spend eight hours a day doing that, like yeah. just being a pianist, but I'm also a songwriter. I'm also a composer. I also play in a band mm -hmm. and I also do solo stuff. And so, and I'm getting into um, engineering and producing a little bit. I love that. Yeah, and so it's yeah. like, I could spend all my time just studying that. <laughs> yes, you know, I, um, so let's talk about you and your sisters for a second. Um, you've been a part of Shell for a while, and I remember actually seeing one of y'all's, I think it was a Cause a Scene show. Yeah. This was literally like maybe five years ago. Yep. And just just loving your style and just, just how you all interacted and the kind of music you made. So talk about that, the progression of that, and what that's been like touring with your sisters and touring with Jars of Clay and all that all that sort of stuff. Okay. Oh, fun. Um, <clears throat> yeah, those kinds of scene shows. I wish Larry was still doing those. I enjoyed them. Yeah, yeah Larry. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Larry's doing a lot of good stuff. Um, but, <clears throat> yeah, my sisters and I have been playing together for like 15 years I think mm. something like that and it's been a really fun journey because like we were all homeschooled we grew up together and music was you know it was just another way that we played together like yeah we would get up early get our schoolwork done run around outside because we grew up on 45 acres out in the country and the neighbor kids were homeschooled too so it was like dude hurry up and get your school done so we can hang out like, oh my gosh I love that <laughs> Yeah, so we'd be running around outside playing games, and then when we all started studying our different instruments, 
Like I, I've claimed the piano because I have five siblings. And I was like, if all of you play piano as much as I want to play piano, I will never get to play piano. Yeah. So I mean, you have literally three pianos in here. This one, that one, which is in your music video, which we're going to talk about. And then this one later that I want you to teach me how to play. Because it's an accordion piano thing. Yes. It's probably a better name for this. <laughs> yeah, I no, made that's it. right. Accordion. Um, but yeah, I mean, you've, like, this is your brand stamp, I feel like. It is. Yeah, so Eva, who's a year younger than me, she picked the mandolin and she started studying mandolin with a teacher. Mm -hmm. And then Sarah's a year younger than Eva and she picked violin, started studying. And then Liza's the youngest, she's three years younger than Sarah, and she started playing the harp. Yeah. So she's like this blonde little angel, like six years old, like playing a harp. And people would hire us to play their weddings because we had this like beautiful little quartet. <laughs> did you did you ever play like the entry song, like the wedding? Oh yeah, I was gonna say yeah. yeah. And botched it a few times. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like I wouldn't even notice that. Y'all are so so great together. So well, well it's like. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and there were there were a few moms who were uh, who were like overly controlling, like just, want to play it a certain way. Yeah, or, yeah. yeah. They just want their daughter to have her special day, you know. And, uh, so much pressure. Yeah, I, I like. I think the younger sisters um, kind of have some trauma from some of that from the momzillas. Uh, <laughs> yes, situations. Bless their hearts. But um, as a result, like we, after a few years of doing the, the mm -hmm. wedding quartet thing, um, and our dad would do these arrangements for us of old like spirituals and like classical pieces that we would play. Um, and then we started writing our own stuff and we were like, <clears throat> we really don't want to do those weddings anymore. And we kind of had this promise between the four of us, I will never ask you to play at my wedding. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was just this funny thing. Weddings don't bother me. Um, yeah, I'm totally cool with it now, but uh, but I understand the younger ones, they needed to just have fun, you know? And so that's been like a process of of getting back to just having fun because you get in the industry and <clears throat> we came out here to work with a producer 10 years ago. We started coming to Nashville, working with a producer, working with a manager, um, booking agent, like expanding our mm -hmm. team and... Um, yeah, something happened in that process, I think, where we kind of lost the vision of, like, mm -hmm. why we were doing it. And, you know, you if you don't if you don't know that, someone else will define it for you, mm -hmm. I think. And so we found ourselves in a in a situation where it was like, man, every time we're all trying to do something together, including our team and our management, like there's something in me that is rubbing against everything that they're putting in front of me. And it was just like, my core values are not lining up with, with theirs. And we started to see that with our team where it was like, we're in different places, we want different things. And not knowing how to verbalize that yet and being afraid to verbalize it. Um, and then learning a lot about boundaries and needs and yeah. like being honest about these things and that that's healthy and you shouldn't be punished for it. And that if you respect those things in yourself, you'll respect them in someone else. And yeah. so... Like, I feel like my sisters and I have gone through this massive, like, growth spurt, like, emotionally of being like, oh, we want to have fun when we play together. Yeah. And we want to create meaningful work that we feel good about that isn't just commercial. Like, that's important. You got to pay the bills. And that's not selling out, you know, to create something that, 
can be synced in an ad or a movie or a TV show or whatever. All of that's great. But at the end of the day, it's like if you have a song inside of you that is meant to come out and be shared with the world, that needs to be honored. And if it's not, like there will be something missing or there will be like this like conflict over it because this thing needs to happen. Yeah. So we've been learning to recognize that in each other. Like there are things we're meant to say together and there are things that we're meant to say separately and there needs to be space for everyone to explore all of that. And so we've all learned to just kind of let, like hold it loosely and be like, hey, if we all want to be here, we can share this space. And if you need to go off there and explore that, I support you and I'll champion you. And that's like a new thing, like a beautiful thing that we're all able to do for each other now. And um, as a part of getting to this place, we've had to let go of team members and say, we're going to self-manage yeah. for a little while while we remember our why and make sure that it's established before we entrust someone else with our with our our vision and yeah. our, you know our music. I feel like that's such great wisdom and advice for whoever's you know trying to create trying to figure that out who they are as an artist while also being in a band. Mm. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. That <laughs> that is hard territory, especially yeah. when you come from a family. Because some families have this codependency of like, you're used to this person always picking up the slack here, right. so you never have to. And then when they're not there, you got to step out of your comfort zone and like take responsibility for yourself. And that is so healthy. It can be so scary of like, if I'm out, are they going to step up to the plate? But giving them that opportunity to step up for themselves. Yeah, and trusting them with that. Yes. Accountability is really important. Yes. Yeah. So y'all just released a song called Rainbow. And if you haven't watched the music video, it's stunning. I thought, okay, so I thought the shot of you all in, I guess, the ocean part or whatever, or I guess it's a lake, I, I don't know, it's a beautiful body of water, um, thought it was shot in India with all the other shots, and it's not, it was shot in Utah. Right. Um, so talk about that whole experience <clears throat> and, you know, what, why you chose that vision for that song. Yes, so um, Eva, our mandolinist, uh, really had a vision for this song like she started writing it and she um before she knew anything about the widows in Vrindavan she had a vision of women in India dancing to this song so she's writing it and she's having this vision and she's like that's so beautiful and there are all these colors that she's <laughs> yeah. seeing and yeah. she was just like huh interesting <laughs> and <laughs> I can see her saying it like that too yeah <laughs> It was so sweet. So then she and I and um, another producer from L.A., his name's Joey Verscotzi. Mm -hmm. I think I'm pronouncing his last name right. I don't know. But um, Joey's amazing. We The three of us got together for our first co-write, and Eva had started this song, mm -hmm. brought it in, and was like, well, you two help me finish this. So we all just like went to work on it, put a track together, and she had this tune, and she went to a a premiere for a documentary about the widows in Vrindavan and I think it's called Beyond Karma the name's changed a couple times I think that's where we're at now Beyond Karma it and... sounds believable so it's a really <laughs> cool name for a documentary so I'm, I'm all for it yeah yeah and uh just to give a little history about the widows um in their culture if a woman loses her husband um, her family believes that it's her fault that her husband died and that she has bad karma. So they disown her because they don't want that bad karma around them. And so the widows often end up on the streets and <clears throat> they haven't been, I think a lot of them haven't been taught 
trades or they haven't been educated so like they have no way to make a living so they live on the streets and they beg and it's a it's kind of a cultural thing um and i know that a lot of them go to vrindavan um and they worship in the temples there and they beg there and they sing and they kind of like get by that way on the streets and so this couple um <clears throat> built a kind of a a safe place for them in Vrindavan where they can go and like they can sleep and be safe I think they can actually wear color inside mm -hmm. those walls because outside the walls they're not allowed to wear color in their society like they have to wear white and that symbolizes death so they make these bracelets I think I'm trying to think if I have I actually have one this beautiful colorful little bracelet they made and um the funds so go directly pretty. to them. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And it's so well made too. I don't know if y'all can like see, but yeah, it's, it's like a wire bracelet and then it just, yeah. So where do all the funds go to? Directly to these widows in Vrindavan. And, um, I believe it's through a nonprofit called Hope Springs. Um, I'm going to try it on. But the website, if you, if you watch the rainbow video, yeah. It'll tell you about more about more information about it, and if you go to shellmusic.com, like there's info on there, and you can purchase one on there. But it's sweet. Like there's um, there's footage of them making the bracelets and just getting to work with color. Like it means so much to them, you know, because they don't have any color in their life. And this is just like a sweet example, and it shows them that there are people that value them. Um, and the couple that is running this thing, mm -hmm. they're like instilling like identity and value in them like man god loves you like he values you and you have a purpose for your life and i think it's really meaningful because to be in a culture where you're literally told like your existence is so bad that it caused the death of someone else like can you imagine having that? or your existence depends on someone else's existence yes that's a lot of pressure yeah and that's a lot of devaluing it's a lot of like yeah it just, I can't imagine having those kinds of things spoken over me and like what I would believe about myself and my ability and like, mm -hmm. um, so, but these women, Eva was telling me cause Eva went over there um, and filmed the music video with them, got to meet a bunch of them and just fell in love with all of them. So all of this is like Eva's heart project. Yeah. Um, and yeah, she, she was just telling me they're like the most amazing women and they have so much joy in the midst of this suffering and in the midst of how they're treated and that just like that blew her mind that was transformative for her um so that's another example of like hey this is something because india was never on my radar mm -hmm. and eva was like i'm going you know and so it's just another example of like the beauty of how we can champion and celebrate each other for like hey if this matters to you i'm gonna help you do something it, about I it i mean it echoes what we were just talking about where one of you in the band has this thing that you really want to pursue but you're there to also support go filming in utah for like your part of the video yes. and uh, really quickly are these on the website to purchase? yes yeah so what's is it shellmusic.com yes you can go purchase these yeah and support women in india i'm all for it yeah. i love it yeah yeah did i answer your question about utah I totally went off no, on another No, it's totally candy. fine, though. <laughs> I feel like all this stuff was so much more important. <laughs> but, yes. It, it, yeah, talk about the Utah experience because, it's, I mean, again, it's beautiful. Okay. 
So Kyle Rasmussen, who is who made the documentary for Beyond Karma, he and Eva became fast friends. She shared the rainbow song with him. He was mm-hmm. crying. He was like, this is so perfect for these women. So Eva's vision, he caught it. And they went over to India and filmed that portion together with the widows. And then he was like, we need to get the band. I am envisioning us in Utah on the salt flats and it's gonna look like you're walking on water and he just had the whole thing like he saw all of it and he saw how it was gonna fit together so we all hopped in a sprinter van together with Kyle and drove out to the salt flats and took that keytar love it (laughs) and uh, the mandolin the violin Liza had a little like drum set up and we just set up out in the water and just filmed for a day and had a blast and then drove back Oh, I love that. Um, so, okay. Yeah, go purchase one of these bracelets to support the mission of Rainbow. That is, I mean, that's beautiful. Thank you. I love it so much. What do you, is there a specific, is it just called a, bra- is there a specific name for this bracelet? It's a bangle. Oh, it's called bangle. Okay. Yeah. Are you, when you're composing, let's say for like a sync, something, a sync project, or for like NPR, or like the Facebook Watch show that you did, um, are you, do you have to go completely in a different creative side of what you're doing to tap into that? Or is it come pretty natural? That's a good question. I feel like ne- melodies kind of naturally fall out for me. Like they mm-hmm. just naturally happen. So um, like I'll be at band practice with my sisters and I'm like working on a song that one of my sisters yeah. wrote and then off on the sidelines, I'm like, And, like, little things uh-huh. will just happen, and I'll just be like, oh, where's my phone? And I'll just, like, try to record it and, like, keep track of stuff. But um, I feel like music is just kind of always flowing. And the hard thing for me is capturing it and releasing it, mm-hmm. which is why it's such a it's such a win to put something out in the world. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question. It does. I feel like it's always happening. So it's just a matter of catching it and yeah. doing something with it. Doing it consistently and always being in it as something that you love. Yeah. I love it. Well, guys, go check out um, You Should Let Me Love You. It's a beautiful song. And thank you for allowing me to, to come and interview you in your space, in your world, and talk about the piano and about your music and Shell and just everything that, that you do with your, your creative mind because it's so inspiring to me. Well, so I am honored to be on your show. So thank you. And... Um, yeah, I'm just a fan of you in general. So <laughs> this Thank is fun you. to get to like share this yes. and and to to do something together. So and people can follow you Hannah Holbrook on Hannah Holbrook. I always do that. It's Hannah it's Holbrook. It's spelled like Hannah. It's spelled like Hannah. But it's, it's pronounced Hannah. That's right. Which is <laughs> even better. A whole nother level. Um, Hannah Holbrook on Instagram. Are yeah. you on Facebook? Yes, all the things you can look up. Hannah Holbrook. You can also look up Hannah on the keys. Yeah, really, really great. That's kind of my handle there. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Libio Show. LibioShow.com is the place to be for all the latest show updates, plus reruns of archive videos and podcasts. Follow The Libio Show on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Support me on Patreon to get additional behind-the-scenes and personalized content curated just for you. Download the Patreon app or visit patreon.com slash LibioShow to select your tier and get connected. And if all the above isn't enough, sign up for my newsletter at LibioShow.com to be the first to know. Thanks for listening and talk soon on the next episode of The Libio Show.
It's the Livio Show. It's the Livio Show. It's the Livio Show.